What's up, everybody? This is Luke Capriti with Make My Day Podcast, um, introing this episode. Uh, how are you doing today, George? Hey, Luke, I'm doing pretty good, man. It's it's actually been a little bit stressful. I had a, got a lot of orders going on. Uh, you, you know, last week I mentioned to you guys I'm going to start doing a huge variety of, of different things, and it's been eating away at me, to be honest. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna reevaluate that, but it, it's it's good because it definitely helps um, increase people's interest in my business and it's just it's been been busy, man. Hey, <laughs> been that's, pretty good. Busy. that's good. <laughs> How about you, Winston? How you doing, buddy? I have been honestly a little stressed out this past week, um, but it's the weekend now, so everything is much better. Uh, so yeah, uh, other than the the hectic week, things are good. Nice. Good to hear. Yeah. Um, well, just so you guys know, I'm getting off a of vacation, so I can't be. Uh any less stressed right now besides the fact i don't know if you can see yeah what thumbs about thumb there <laughs> the picture i posted on social media what yesterday doesn't do it justice by any means i think it's swollen another like 30 to 40 percent the size Jeez. that it was um but at the house that we were staying at there was a spiral staircase it was all wood it was really nice looking and i guess i i started staring at it too much and was too involved in it and i just slipped and i went from the top down to i think it was three steps before whoa, the bottom whoa and the only thing that stopped me i think was my thumb because it is just it's growing by the second um so i have it wrapped up now but i can't i can move it uh i forget what this knuckle is but yeah this knuckle allows me to move everything else is just stationary it's fixed in place so um Dude, i'm hoping would work like that <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like i can grab pretty well with these fingers i just got to keep this out of the way um but i it's funny i practice often with my left hand to do like use different tools and stuff for something like this to happen so i'm hoping that my practice has paid <laughs> off and that i can sand cut and whatever left-handed um, so we'll see how it goes good luck man that looks that looks <laughs> brutal yeah. stay off the table saw for a little bit <laughs> oh, yeah. can't, can't bend that. the thumb away from the table <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah well right now maybe it wouldn't be too bad to get it uh off of my hand and not have the pain throbbing through it but uh yeah oh, <laughs> i like man. that advice winston i'll probably take you up on it <laughs> so where'd you go vacationing luke i'm, I'm pretty interested because um, i haven't gone on a vacation I'm, I'm dying to go somewhere oh yeah well i'm sure you're aware of lbi right yeah yeah so yeah in new jersey lbi is um kind for me at least the go-to shore or beach for people who are outside of new jersey nice. um we went to beach haven which is a little more on the southern end which is new for us normally we go to surf city um, which is right off of the bridge once you awesome. get over onto the island but uh yeah we had a family vacation so we did the whole um, we got tested a few days before, I think it was about four or five days before we all met up on Saturday, got our results. Um, my mom got her results actually on Saturday oh, to wow. confirm that she was negative. All of us had already, um, you know, saw that we were negative. And so when we got there, we had increased our bubble size nice. to our whole family and could feel confident that like, if we don't have masks on, we could hug each other, high five. Um, if somebody sneezed, you know, obviously go away from everyone just because that's disgusting anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was interesting because the start of the vacation was new and different going through that testing process. But once we were there, it felt kind of like that back to normal. Awesome. And we could all just hang out normally. I was able to hug my niece and nephew, parents, um, sister, brother-in-law, all that stuff. So um, that was a really nice way to kind of start the trip off and then had seven days of beautiful weather so yeah i mean i really can't complain it was oh, a lot awesome, of fun dude. yeah much needed i'm gonna have to consider doing something like that soon I'm, I'm going crazy every day you know we got the full job the side hustle everything's inside this house i'm inside this room way too much. like 90 percent <laughs> of my life is inside this room now and i'm like oh, kind of going crazy with everything so i gotta go get myself a vacation at some point yeah, definitely have to decompress i i was getting so stressed with um school so last week school finally ended on friday and um nice. you know both my wife and i we were like man there's just so much um grading that we had to do to finish up and get the grades posted and um, it was different this year, at least according to teachers who are more experienced, it was different this year that so many kids were pressured and stressed because of what's going on and everything. 
that um, we actually did just pass and incomplete. Those were the only two grades that, at least in my school, I was able to give out. My wife was still doing number grades, but things were really inflated because how flexible you had to be with the students. Anyway, um, you know, the last two days of school, I had so many emails going in and out trying to get kids who were not completing their work to get caught up to finish a certain amount of assignments so that they could get on the passing end. but even so, I still had a couple of kids who got it incomplete, which means over the summer, they need to still finish up some work. Oh, wow. Um, so it just was kind of stressful like that last week. And it was awesome that on Saturday we were starting our family vacation because I'm sure like you're saying, George, you've had so much going on. You've been stuck in your house like to actually get out and do something that is totally stress free. For me, like the beach is my happy place. Um, so, yeah, like it was much, much needed. So that's I awesome. highly recommend it for you, George. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk to the wife. That sounds yeah. pretty good to me if we can get something going like that, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Just just getting away and then anywhere else for a little while, even if it's just, you know, within Jersey, I'm, I'm definitely good with that for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's really just kind of just been insane. I'm trying to keep up with like, you know, I've been having a really hard time balancing, um, you know, the projects for like filling my own happiness. Like I, the Iron Man... Uh, epoxy masks are like like one step away from being complete but when i have pending orders i like like can't mentally or physically like work on things for myself knowing that like i have a deadline for other people and i'm pretty happy with you know the number of orders that are coming in it's good it's fueling the business but like i'm not getting to do you know I've had to build this bar for our piano room for like months now and I just keep getting pulled away from it because it's a, like it's a bigger job. It's going to take a lot of days straight and I just get, keep getting pulled away. So I'm like, I'm like going crazy in my head. I'm like, I just need like a break even from, you know, you know, maybe I'll put the shop on, on hold. I, I didn't want it with 4th of July coming up. I mean, that's like, you know, you get hot sales coming up with 4th of July, but, but after that, maybe I'll take a break from it and just get to work on my, my own stuff for a little while and see how that goes. But it's been it's been a little stressful. I got a I thought I had and I think I do have a good organization system going on, but I think it's you know you know, there's only so much you can do when you're balancing full time life and side hustle life and like it like starts to like starts to ramp up, you know what I mean? Well yeah. You're redlining it is what I hear in my head, right? Like you're on the verge of like you can't push it any further. You're hundred <laughs> percent. So um and engines can only take that so long. So really you don't wanna grind yourself uh, down or wear yourself down too much that um, it's okay to push it like that like you said with fourth of july coming up but yeah maybe after that you got to cool down let yourself yeah. relax a little so you can get back up to speed again and, and i've been like just thinking about like ways to change you know and i've always said this like cha- ways to change how i'm doing the business so a lot of it's product based but um especially when i got the glowforge i found like this huge community of people that you know, they want to click go on a lot of buttons and still sell themselves. So they want to buy like digital files like crazy, like as many different types. And they want to take your digital file and they want to click go on it. And I'm like, you know, that sounds like a really like, you know, I, I could make anything in Illustrator and like put it up there and people like the design. And then I, it takes work away from me from a hands on experience. And then my designs are still getting out there. So I kind of like that aspect as well. But then when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, I don't actually think I'm going to stop slowing down on the hands-on stuff so now i'm just adding another factor to my business and it's probably just going to get a little bit more work at the end of the day so you know it's it's exactly like you're saying i got to figure out you know where, where i'm going to start blowing over i'm already like only trying to sleep like four to five hours a day so i can like keep getting everything going on <laughs> i've always said like if i could have one superpower i wish i didn't have to sleep because then i could just like keep working and not or like not get tired or anything like that, that yeah. that'd be fantastic yeah but winston you so said you were getting stressed that through through the work week and now you're all good on the weekend so i'll get back to that but i first <laughs> want to just say for you george specifically uh, one thing that's helped me is to actually like schedule my work, not in terms of like, oh, hey, I've got this project. I got to work on it until it's done. Um, but when I have larger projects or orders, what I'll do is I'll set milestones. Hmm. So I'll say like on Monday, I want to at least get this far on Tuesday. I want to get this far and I want to like maybe wrap up on Friday. And so what that lets you do is like uh, you can work really hard on Monday. And once you hit that milestone, 
you can sort of ease off the pedal. Like maybe you still have an extra hour to like left in your day, then you can go back to your room, watch Netflix, whatever, and like decompress instead of just like being in your shop, pedal to the metal <laughs> until it's like 11 p.m. and you're like, I should probably go to sleep. Um, but actually have a set milestone that says, hey, I can take a break for the rest of today. I like that a lot, Winston. Um, that's Because otherwise you're going to burn yourself out. You're, you're not going to want to stop because I like those of us who are in our shops all the time, we will very easily lose track of time. Oh, yeah. So you need a little something that's fixed, a, a, a goalpost in the dirt that says, when I get here, the rest of the day, I can sort of take off or do my own thing or maybe work on something else like your your vector stuff with the Glowforge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need a transition point. You can't just run until you're done. I like that a lot. And I, I think I'm going to take that advice. I think I think I used to do that a little bit better before... Um, you know, all this mass teleworking, but ever since I'm at home, I don't use that little black book with like my calendar and schedules and ideas like at all anymore. Like I used to have it at work so I could think about the side hustle, but now that I'm at home, I just come, I guess I completely forgot about it, but maybe I'll just bring that back into the factory because that has all the dates and everything I should work on every day. And as long as I do that check mark every day, you know, I'm, I'm kind of good. So and I know I'm old school. I'm still doing it on paper whenever it is using their Google and their iPhone calendars. But uh, I'll, I'll take that advice. That, that's pretty sound advice. Thanks, Winston. Honestly, the, the paper notebook, I think I still enjoy that more than the reminders app on my iPhone or even Trello. Like I'll put all the, the big projects in Trello, but the day-to-day tasks like today I want to paint, today I need to like do some chores, all that stuff stays on my, my physical paper list um, just because mm. it's always available on my desk at a glance. If I'm just sort of in a funk and I'm like, what do I do? I just look at that and I'm like, oh, I've got a couple options to choose from. Let me make some progress. Let me pivot to something else for today. That's exactly I think, how I feel. <laughs> I also think the paper notebook has an advantage. Um, I think I've told you guys this, but like if I go on my phone and get into Instagram or Facebook, I call that going into the vortex where I feel like I almost have blinders <laughs> on and I get sucked into it. Like truly where I'm just going through that Um that process of swipe or scroll and double tap and you start losing the track of time if you go in there without a like set objective. So if you have a paper, notebook, to-do list, something that's not directly related to your phone that could get you into your email, Instagram, or any of the other apps that you have on your phone, that way you are only focused on what you have to do. So you look over, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I have to do my chores or paint or whatever those um, tasks are. And it's easy for you to just find the next task that you're going to do and get to it as opposed to getting sidetracked on something that um, you didn't really want to be doing anyway. Um, so I, I do think that there is a big benefit um, from like the physical aspect of crossing mm-hmm. out and like that sense of accomplishment that you get from, hey, I finished that. There's less on my list. Um, but you also like it's distraction free as well. So um, I think that yeah, to me at least point. is a huge benefit. Um, so, yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, definitely I'm pull it back out. <laughs> mm-hmm. That helps me a lot because um, I find that I do my best work when I take my phone out of my pocket. I put it like a couple feet away from me and I just focus what's on my focus on what's on my workbench. Um, because then like you don't get the buzz in your pocket and you don't you're not tempted to like look down pick it up and decide to answer it or not you're just like in the zone uh, and you can actually focus on things and just you pull up your paper list check things off keep working Um, like that's the most rewarding time in the shop for me when you can actually just take a step back away from the digital stuff i mean you nailed it i mean with, with digital stuff i've been like with the variety of stuff i'm adding to my etsy shop that alone, I completely like, forgot and underestimated how long it actually takes for you to create one listing for one of your writers, for one of your items, um, because you want it to, when somebody's clicking on it, for all the pictures to be right, the, de- the description, you got to compare it to everybody else on Etsy who has something similar. So you're like ca- catching all the details. I spent, I think, like two to three hours um, on like just working on my Etsy shop yesterday and i had nothing planned for like that was not planned at all so it just took away such a big part of the day but it's necessary because if i don't have that set up i can't make the sales for all the work that i've been doing to kind of make all these products so at least it's like kind of a one-time thing you 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 put it up there and hopefully it it works and and then you reevaluate and see if it's selling and whatnot but like that digital aspect really and, and like instagram posts right like even pictures to this day all the different hashtags 
you know, it, it drives me crazy. It takes me like, and I'm probably on the slower end, but it probably takes me like 15 to 20 minutes to get up, put up a good picture, get all the hashtags, all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, get the right angle of the picture I'm taking. So it takes away such a huge part of my day. It's, it's, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I know I've even considered, um, trying to do, you know, hire this social media manager or whatever. Um, but I'm just not, I don't have the projects and um, like the cash flow essentially to have that. I also want it to still be whatever my unique yeah. um, aspect is to it. So I've wanted that just from the idea, like you're saying, George, give myself that extra time. It sounds small, like 15, 20 minutes, but if you really want to keep pushing things out and you want it to be a certain caliber quality picture and comment, right? Like it's, it's tough, at least for me. Um, and I do feel like it's time that it almost like stresses me out in a way that I'm like overthinking it and that bothers me. Um, so yeah, it it is hard to kind of find that balance. But I think that comes back to something I feel like I talk about a lot. Like as engineers, we are almost always overanalyzing things. <laughs> and that I know lots of people, they'll just have in their notes, say five different bundles of hashtags. And they'll just copy and paste hashtags hmm. depending upon, you know, if it's um, in progress. Maybe you have like an in progress bundle of hashtags. If it's a completed, purely woodworking project, you have a woodworking completed bundle. You know, and you kind of like group it so that for you, you're not always thinking like, oh, what what's a good one? Oh, DIY. Or, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you're not always thinking the same thing. It is more of just a systematic kind of approach to it. Oh, I like that um, a lot. Now, I don't do that because, again, I haven't been posting as much stuff. I tried it in the beginning and that did speed up things a lot. Um, it's just then I started getting to a point where I was trying to dabble in a, a few different things like concrete or wood or epoxy. And I just jumped into it without having like that system approach of the mm -hmm. different hashtags for each of those types of projects. And yeah, I just um, I started falling forward into more projects as opposed to like stepping back and thinking through something that would speed it up um, in the long run. So again, like the more I hear you talking, the more it's like, hey, everything's booming for you, which is great, right? Like that's a positive thing for yeah. your business. But I think it's going to be hard to keep up with that if you're especially if you're already doing four or five hours of sleep like you have to give yourself a break and maybe fourth of july will be perfect like just keep grinding it out until then but afterwards like relax yeah. reevaluate how you're gonna um approach all the different aspects of your business so then going into you know school starting where um we don't know what that looks like but school starting in the fall where crafts and that kind of stuff kind of picks back up again then you're able to um, be more efficient and still do all the things that you want to do um, so yeah maybe you'll have a lull in the summer of sales and like the output of your projects but then you could have like higher spikes or higher output later in the year and that would make up for the lull you had in the summer oh, that's a really good yeah. point actually huh. so, i for once feel like i'm actually ahead of the curve because i do actually do that uh, hashtag saving it in notes mm -hmm. um I've got a different set for Shape Oko, for Nomad, huh. um, yeah. for my five-axis stuff. Um, and you don't need, like, the perfect set when you first start. Uh, just, like, when you make a post, like, if you're doing a concrete project, put a couple hashtags in, um, save that, and then the next time you post, maybe you've thought of a new one to add to it. So you just, that notes keeps growing until you get to, like, your, your core, like, five to ten hashtags mm -hmm. and then you just copy and paste that because like what else are you gonna do you're gonna go back to your old <laughs> post open edit copy from the the description and paste into your new one it's it's just it I gets like to be a bit a much lot. especially if you're jumping around mm -hmm. um so yeah i actually used that this morning i'm for, uh, gonna take that tip 100 <laughs> percent. You, you definitely should yeah. um it's uh it's super useful and the other thing you can do is just search a hashtag on instagram um, and Instagram will show you a couple related hashtags. Mm -hmm. So if you do like woodworking, it might say like, uh, like I don't know, like wood grain or like uh, modern furniture or just related terms um, that are also commonly searched with like hashtag woodworking or hashtag CNC. Mm -hmm. So do a little research, yeah. but it'll, it'll be worth your while. Um, it takes a lot <laughs> of the, the thought and the, the time that goes into crafting an Instagram post. It takes that 
off your shoulders. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. Thanks. The one other thanks thing I would say before, if you want to um, transition to something else, is think about what you want um, to happen with that post. Do you want it to get out to people to say, oh, he does um, the wine barrel coffee tables. I want to buy one of those. Um, and if that's the case, like you might approach it slightly differently. You might try to find like your customers who are buying that and what is common amongst them and um, how they found that product of yours. Yeah. If it was through Instagram, then yeah, you really want to go hard on Instagram, find the perfect hashtags or locations or you know whatever it is that then will draw more customers from that post. But if you're just doing it to keep your page up to speed or direct people to your YouTube um, or to your Etsy page, like you can start thinking about then which hashtags might get them to your profile to get them to Etsy mm -hmm. or YouTube or whatever it is. But um, again, that's something that I know I should be doing. But for the most part, I'm just trying to keep my page active enough that, you know, I'm still coming up on people's feeds for the point when I am ready to really start taking in orders that then they'll see the post that says like, you know, I need 10 orders by the end of the week or whatever my post would be that then I can draw in customers. And I'm not just like, I haven't posted in forever and I only have maybe 10 active um, users coming to my page. So Yeah, I mean, go, going exactly along that like that um i guess i learned earlier this year um that i kind of have been doing hashtag and targeting really I, I guess not optimal for what i'm looking to do so i'm i'm looking a lot of my youtube videos are to help people uh learn how to do what i do diy instructions that kind of stuff um but i was and then i also make products that i want to sell so i was targeting other makers and that is that's great because I like to look at other makers and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm way more small time and they've already seen a lot of stuff I've really done and they kind of know how to do what I have to do. So, you know, targeting them doesn't really help. Um, a lot of them don't need to see the same thing over and over again with more and more channels. So um, and it really actually helped. I started targeting um, like Tom's River area, Tom's River local businesses, uh, breweries, wineries, uh, moms, um, um, new house owners, that kind of thing, because uh, finding those type of followers, they want cutting board. And, and again, my business is definitely not cutting board focused, but just an example, like the simplest of examples. Um, you know, they want a new cutting board for their new house or something like that. Um, you know, I've been trying. One of my big dreams is to you know find a really uh, a brewery that's looking to either you know redo all their furniture or new ones uh, stepping up and to do their entire outfitting of furniture. I, I would. That is like one of my goals, hopefully within the next, I'd say probably two years, you know, uh, I don't know how long it'll take to find, you know, who I can work that out with, but that's, that's something I would love to do. So I've been trying to target those type of customers through my hashtags and stuff, and that's been helping a lot. Um, so it's exactly like you said, it's really understanding the mindset of who actually wants to see what you're putting out there and who do you want to actually connect with at the end of the day. So, so bring it all the way back to to <laughs> to Winston uh, diverging away from the busy work week you had there. So what's been going on? We are coming back to it. <laughs> um, so this past week has been sort of a, a a rush to make progress on the next generation uh, Nomad desktop CNC that my company makes, and it's just been like a lot of things coming together all at once. Like we're at like the 80 90 percent uh line and like the finish line is in sight but there's so many little details that need to be finalized and um well like my boss was saying like hey can you like test this or can you prototype this and it was just like like personally i have i feel a huge pressure to make this machine awesome because i want it to be awesome because i'm going to be the one using it um but it's also felt like um like this is everything like that i've been building up to um, like as a jack of all trades i'm like not the best designer for like making things that are going to be actual products like i don't have any industrial design background um i haven't taken a product like fully through from start to finish to like find like vendors to do like injection molding finishing anodizing whatever like i haven't gone through that full gamut um so i i've like my company makes cnc machines but i've only 
um, contributed bits and pieces to that process. And now I feel like um, they're, they're giving me a little more trust and responsibility. So I kind of really have to make sure I don't screw this up. Um, but I'm also like uniquely qualified to, to kind of work through the, the different issues. Like, like what kind of RPM are we going to have on the spindle or uh, what's the design of the enclosure going to be? Um, so all of these things, it's not like you just, you don't need just a mechanical engineer, but you need someone who actually understands the machine, understands how it's going to be used. And so I finally feel like, um, like they're actually utilizing me to my full potential. So it's been fun, but it's also been like, I think I put in like, uh, usually I go in at around 7.30ish and I go home at about 2.30ish to beat the traffic. Um, and this week I've put in like three, like nine or 10 hour days and I've been going into work like before traffic, but leaving like right in the middle of like the worst Ooh. part of the commute. Uh, so that's, that's close to an hour to get back home for me. Um, and then once I get home, I'll probably work on editing or more design work. Um, and last weekend, like I was actually machining parts, uh, that would be, installed on the nomad oh, like, just so to cool. test out different <laughs> uh, features so i was like i was working through the weekend went to work on monday um worked did some editing on tuesday and then wednesday i was like all hands on deck because uh my boss is going to be out of town for a couple of days so i was like well like i gotta make as much progress before then as possible so i just i put in like a, a 10 hour day and then normally I work from home on Thursday, just like to minimize my commute. But then I was like, the rest of the week, I'm just going to keep going into work. Like I have to make progress. Um, and on top of this, my uh, recent video sponsor, um, they're like, uh, hey, are you going to have the upcoming end of June <laughs> video ready? And I was like, uh, and like, I was thinking about it. I want to release tomorrow on Sunday. They need 48 hours to review a video typically. Um, so... If I finish the video on Sunday, um, which is my preferred release day, because I feel like I get more eyeballs on the weekend, um, they're going to see it on Monday. They're not going to be able to give me approval until Tuesday, which is the end of the month, which is when they requested the video, which means I have to release which like mid-post it by then. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, all of this is building up to be a suboptimal uh, video release. So I was like, hey. Um, I can't get the video to you by like until the weekend. Is there any way that we could like work something out or can you like make sure they uh, review the video as soon as possible? Maybe we can, I can get approval by Monday or something. And she was like, if you send me the script, I'll see what I can do. So I sent them the script and she was like, oh, um, can you like shoot the the part for the, um, the company? Uh, at least just like that 30 second spot so they can see that. And I was like, I could maybe I'll just I'll take the hit I'll release it midweek whatever um, but then she got back to me a couple hours later and she was like they reviewed your video script um, they gave you the green light they don't need to actually see the footage first oh, wow. and I was like score like that's a total <laughs> nice. validation of the fact that I overplanned these scripts so like they know the first three videos have been fine and they can see exactly what topics I'm going to hit because literally every word of what I'm going to say is written out there um, so I've got that approval I should be able to edit a video tonight and I should be able to have it out on Sunday and release it as I originally wanted to. So all the things are, are slowly coming together um, and I think I can relax just a little bit today. Oh, that's awesome. So so by the time this podcast is out, it'll, it'll be out there for everybody to see, which is, which is fantastic. Ideally, yes. See, I was actually going to say, um, you know, I think it'd be good if you post it. I, I guess you want to try and keep with the optimal schedule you got but you know i think it's always good to get new data points you know you don't know what the midweek viewing for your channel is especially after covid right i mean now everybody's at home so i'm assuming there's a lot more phone usage during the day um and you never know i think that stuff just changes all the time honestly i think the, be yeah, the people there's... that get the best data are the ones that post like a video every day or every other day because they they get to really see real-time feedback of that's what's true um i my last video was released midweek and i haven't been thrilled with the performance it's like uh on like youtube shows you like your top 10 videos and how you're doing ranked against them in the past 28 days i think mm -hmm. and that video was doing it was at 9 out of 10 huh 
so it was like near the bottom and that was a video i thought was pretty cool that was the putting rgb lights on my shape yeah yeah um there's a little bit of pcb milling a little bit of circuit design it's like it's a like visually at least an interesting video did not do well at all Hmm. so i don't know if it's the project or i don't know if it's the timing of it i don't have like releasing a video every day of the week would be fantastic but i also don't know how much of that um is the just the video topic Mm -hmm. itself so i don't know Uh, i'm superstitious i keep thinking weekend is the best time weekend morning just so people when they wake up they're they're having brunch, they're they're checking their phones, or they're at home, and they're lounging on the internet. Oh, that's a good point. Know. When do you guys watch videos? Um, <laughs> before I start a project, <laughs> very <laughs> randomly. But um, to be honest, I'm not a good data point. Like, I don't uh, consume that type of information. Like, I, especially right now, I've been primarily on Instagram, or I'm, um, I'm working on projects, or I'm spending time with the dog, and... I really have never been somebody to go on YouTube to watch videos. Um, hmm. So so that's where it is also hard for me. I actually will ask my friends a lot or say you guys, like hearing what you say, um, to learn more about who are the people who are watching them. Yeah. And even the odd thing is a lot of my students, they are like, they're YouTubers where like they want to watch YouTube videos and hearing what they would even say, I would kind of extrapolate to say high schoolers and college students who might've grown up more with YouTube being the sole um, like content source and how they um, consume that data. And for me, it's like, it is hard because I'm not really somebody who does that. So I just do my best guests. Um, so yeah, maybe George can give you a little bit more insight, <laughs> well, Winston. Sorry. <laughs> for, for me, it's definitely not um, like, a, like a certain time for any day um, at all. It is, it is, you know, if I could take a lunch break during work and I'm not watching like something on Netflix or Hulu, I might turn on YouTube. I know that the majority of the population is watching YouTube, the, you know, uh, during like the bathroom and everything like that. So that's, 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 you know, everybody's own schedules throughout the day completely <laughs> randomly. But I think Luke kind of made a good point. So I have certain, um, YouTubers that I will just go on YouTube and watch because I enjoy their content. You, you're one of them, Winston. You're you're in there, but um, feel honored. <laughs> but then, um, for example, Glowforge. When I bought the Glowforge, I just searched a bunch of videos for like the week beforehand of what people were doing them, and I don't think there's any really good videos for Glowforge on YouTube, honestly. So there, that's a lot of uh, opportunity there. But that that's really how uh, I'm sure. Um, you know, your, your Shapeoko. So uh, if somebody's going to be getting a Shapeoko um, or working on the Shapeoko all the time and they're constantly looking for that type of thing, I'm assuming that's where you're going to get most of your drive plus all of your followers currently who I'm assuming the majority of them are uh, Shapeoko um, uh, users um, as well as, and, and Nomad, sorry, and, you know, all the products in there, but um, as well as people who just, enjoy your style of video like obviously with the um the apple cheese grater video or whatever we call that at this point but um you know so so i think it's it's so back and forth and sometimes um a lot of it's a word of mouth like you hear like somebody tell you like oh man do you see that sweet like video that jimmy dresser did on making like a grill with you know that food guy and it's like oh no i haven't that sounds pretty cool and then you go watch it so like there's so many like different very and, and this is going exactly to luke's point of like us as engineers are over like calculating every little factor into it you know and um so i never and it probably maybe it's what hurts me i never uh with my two videos um try to get it uh, a certain day i i'm I'm trying to hit a bunch of different days, a bunch of different times so that, you know, once I have, you know, hundreds to a thousand videos on YouTube, maybe I can actually see, um, you know, the different metrics, but I can kind of go into like the whole engineering thing. Like you could probably go back into your views. Cause if you go back to your most popular videos, a lot of them, at least mine, um, weren't popular based off one day, right? You have that, those viral ones, that's like one day and you know, that's great. But your most popular videos that didn't go viral, 
happened over time because they were good and they kept getting shared and, and they kind of built over time. So it wasn't like a one day release. Um, and, and maybe you can go back to that video, those videos and see which days most people watch it on. I, th I think you can do it by day by date and you can get like real insane with it. But I think it's really a progressive thing. That's, that's where if you're progressively getting more views and subscribers, you're, you're building on something. You're not, you know, that one time, you know, instant quick hit and now you feel great. And then you're going to feel like crap over the next couple of videos because, you know, you have a really small fraction of views coming up. I mean, you see all those big timers. They're like, oh, my video is great. And then like, I have a whole bunch of buddies that are like, oh, I'm really upset. Like this video was supposed to be great. The other one did so well. Like this one didn't perform. And you can't base that off of one day of, of looking at it or one week in my mind. That that doesn't show anything, especially on YouTube. You know how many videos are out there that like people are watching, you know, and you know, it, it's so it, it's really an, a progressive thing, I think. And I that's just my, on my opinion. I, I try not to focus too much on, you know, I'll try not to look once I post a video on YouTube, like for like the week or whatever, I'll just let it go and, and, and see how it, you know, comes up over time. Yeah, I would argue to Winston's point that by posting it on the weekend and trying to be fairly consistent when you post, that might start to build a schedule that, um, you know, your, what's it like, your biggest fans or your subscribers, that they are waiting for Saturday or waiting for Sunday for yeah. your video. Um, and just like TV, right, like yeah. old school TV, not Netflix or Hulu, where there had to be a schedule built in so that you were excited on Thursday night, your favorite shows coming on at nine and you almost would get excited for it or wait for it um, or schedule your day around it. Um, so there could be a little bit of that happening. Um, so I would say that it is good to be yeah. consistent. I know that's something I hear on most social media platforms that somehow within their algorithm, algorithm they calculate, I guess, consistency and that that helps your profile or something like that um, kind of be hit more through like the search engine. So again, I feel like consistency probably does help you. Um, however, if you are doing what George is saying, like if you could post a couple of videos that maybe you're like not too invested in during the week to give you those data points that, hey, maybe, um, maybe I could do something on Sundays and Wednesdays. And then I get the midweek hit and the, um, you know, and the weekend hits. And that helps me kind of have um, more consistent, you know, viewers like throughout a whole week time frame instead of only on the weekends. But, it, you know, we could probably go into the, the science and everything behind it. There's probably <laughs> so much stuff out there where there is a certain viewing window that people really, um, you know, are looking at YouTube maybe it's also dependent on who you're trying to get like who's your audience is it younger people older people i feel like makers are kind of such a variety of people that it's hard to narrow it down to just an age group or anything like that so i don't know man it, that's a hard yes answer and no the the problem is at its core in order to do this experiment you need more content yep. And none of us, I think, have, have enough in the pipeline to actually be able to do this. Yeah. So, yeah. and the consistency thing too, like you can't release like one video one Sunday and then like three weeks later you release the next one. That you need like every week or every other week or something a little more regular in order to yeah. to, to build that Pavlovian conditioning into people that like, hey, it's Saturday. Oh, like so-and-so is going to release a video. Mm -hmm. So well, um, then you got we, me. We curious, all need to like, step up our game. What, what if what if you do like like you were saying Netflix? Like what if you do the Netflix style of here's my here's ten videos, boom, go all of them out there, go binge watch my videos. Like that could work too. I don't know how many people actually give that a shot. You know, there's so many variables. Depending on how entertaining you are, then it could be something that they're like, hey, I love this. I'm watching all ten episodes. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it could it could happen. So so yeah. that actually got me. You know curious and, and we kind of had a topic for today but it goes, it goes right along the lines of, of um you and you know I, I really think you've made it to such a great point winston i mean you left you know the government job and you started working for the company that you did your side hustle with building projects and now you're getting to help design like their next product line that is that's that's amazing you know what i mean that to me to me that kind there, of there is, can't yeah. be much better like like you said like you know, before they were using your YouTube skills, now they're using your full potential of, you know, you are really good with the details of, 
all those factors in CNCing. Um, so I, I think that's awesome. So taking that like way back to when you first got your shape Foco and, and, you know, me and Luke got the glow forges and other toys and, and, and things for the side business. How did, you know, how do you guys go about choosing to make, you know, that investment, you know, and talking, you know, high hundreds, but mostly, you know, thousands of dollars, whatever that piece of machinery is for your side business, other than the fact of, you know, uh, you know, wasn't married, but had had the money, wanted a new toy in the house. And that, that, that works too. But most of us, you know, when you're about to spend thousands of dollars, you're thinking, okay, well, you know, I got to make sure I'm using this thing or else I just wasted thousands of dollars on this. So, so what do you guys, what, what's your thought process and going, you know, forward when you guys bought those things? Um, I'll let, uh, Luke go first, if he wants to talk about his Glowforge, but, um, <laughs> otherwise I can sort of talk about like how I picked my like very first CNC and what was going through my head. Um, I'll let you uh, formulate it. You'll probably have a good answer. Um, I will give you what I really thought about say with my Glowforge because before the Glowforge, the biggest thing I bought was a MakerBot, uh, fifth generation 3d printer. No offense MakerBot, but at the time. You guys sold me with your marketing. I'm sorry. I would never, ever have bought that if I knew anything about 3D printing. Anyway, besides that, um, you know, I had won a competition that gave me money that was enough for that MakerBot um, while I was in college. And I really was into 3D printing. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I didn't do really any research. And I just jumped on it, threw the money at it and was like, okay, I won this, got that. And I can now use it for making all bunch of different things. Um, and for a while, I did just use it to print out different things I was learning about in mech design classes to like really understand gear ratios and stuff. So like I got use out of it, but I didn't do a lot of research. And what I learned from that is next time, think through what you're going to do when you're putting that much money out um, on something. So fast forward probably like six years or so when I'm working at Navair, um, you know, Ed Trapper's telling me how awesome this laser engraver is. And really, like, I was, I had a spokesperson sitting right next to me constantly advertising. <laughs> he secretly works for Glowforge. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I seriously think so. But he would um, push the product on me and show, like, the different things that he's made, um, different things that people were making. And it was really cool. Like, it caught my eye. And I, at that time, it was kind of like a perfect storm that I had wanted to get into making more things. I had recently bought a house and um, was making my dining room table. And I don't know, it's just like I, I got that bug that like need to keep making stuff. But I didn't have enough um, money, like there wasn't enough income to then like start buying a whole bunch of tools and all that kind of stuff. So I needed to have a little bit of a business plan as if I'm going to start investing in things. Um, how am I going to make up that money? And once he started showing me like some of the things that he made and putting his name on it or his friend's name on it, that's where gifts started coming in, checking on Etsy. You know, I was able to do some research that showed, wow, people are selling cutting boards for 50 to $100. A piece of wood, you know, say a walnut costs only maybe 10 dollars, not even for that size. I can I can do all of this um, in a quick amount of time, make a decent amount of profit. And if I make, say, 50 of those, then I've made up my money with it, right? Like I, I've made, so I just did quick, um, like, what's that? A quick cash analysis of how do you get um, $2,000 um, off of some products that you could make. And that, that was really what it was. It was a good spokesperson with Ed showing me the product and all it could do. Um, so I got lucky there. And then a little bit of research as to how am I going to make money um, or not even make profit from it, but like make enough money to pay for it. And that was just, you know, going on Etsy. Um, after I got the Glowforge, now that's where I think I'm a little bit more understanding of if I'm going to buy my next product, would I go for a higher end, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, machine, like say for a CNC or am I going to get something really cheap and um, first learn from it? And I think, you know, now with different friends and, uh, you know, maker colleagues, right, I would um, be able to talk and figure this out more like, what am I going to do with it? And then, you know, which product is the best? 
So I relay or rely on people to give me information and people that I trust really now before going and getting a product. Um, so I think that kind of answers your question, George. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'd be interested to hear because I know Winston, to me, you um, are really good at like breaking things down and like in an organized way how to like solve a problem and buying a big piece oh, of equipment <laughs> is solving a problem. Don't expect a profound answer from me. <laughs> um, so, I mean, in the past couple of years, I have not purchased a CNC just because like I've been working for Carbide. Um, but way back in the day when I first purchased my ShapeOko 2, um, I, I did my usual website research and whatnot. Uh, but I was at a different stage in my life. Um, when you're like looking to purchase something when you don't have a business model, um, it's it's hard to say, like, like, I didn't have a product line. So I couldn't say, oh, I can once I have this, I can start making this and make money. Uh, that's a very hard market to... or. Uh, business model to try and build on the spot because uh, you're not going to have the the know-how the history or the skills to make use of this thing once you get it uh, so for a lot of hobbyists who are just like trying to they're buying this because they think it's cool they they want to make things but they don't have a specific plan in place to make this investment turn a profit uh, it it's hard to to sort of justify or rationalize this, especially if you have a significant other who you need to explain your purchases to. Um, so um, you kind of have to think of it in the framework of, does this thing um, take sort of a creative burden off your chest? If you've been like, I, I really want to make this thing, um, but for so long I just haven't had the skills or the equipment. Um, if you solve that problem right now, is that worth X number of dollars? And uh, a lot of people, like, running the Shapeoko social media stuff, like, I see a lot of people who are like, hey, I'm a small-time woodworker, do you think you could throw me a free machine or a discount? And I'm just like, no, sorry, bud, can't. Um, but people are always looking at these things thinking they're so expensive, but if you look at, like, an entry-level CNC, that ballpark price is about the same as a gaming PC or a camera. Um, and if you look at those, it's like, your what's your return on investment for those objects it's it's hard to say it's almost intangible but it brings you a certain amount of capability of joy of just additional capability to do what is you're doing if you're a photographer if you're looking for a recreational like pc game those kinds of things uh, there's no price tag on them but once you like have a good whatever it is whatever consumer device it is and you're able to just run with it um that that joy that it brings you is totally worth something and i think i'd look to other consumer products to sort of frame what it is you're looking to buy and whether or not that price is worthwhile for me buying a cnc and just opening up a whole world of projects that required that digital precision that i couldn't do by hand that was worth it um now in terms of people who are looking at an investment from a, a like a business perspective like if you're a woodworking thing you sell on etsy whatever i would say look at some of the things you're selling like coasters or cutting boards and then look at the pricing of ones that are customized like with a logo on it with like the a person's name or a last name on it what's the price difference um because you can't look at these things and be like oh if i sell these cutting boards for 150 dollars look at all that 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 profit that this machine is making me, what you should really be looking at is that price difference. If you are selling your cutting boards for $100 to begin with, you're only making about $50 difference on the purchase of that machine. So don't look at like, oh, like these cutting boards are going to recoup so much of my revenue. It's really only a fraction of that that you can attribute to your CNC. Uh, but it should still be fairly sizable uh, just based on like do your market research, see what people are charging different for customized pieces, and then go from there. Um, and I, the, anecdotally, there's just people like easily within a year, within six months, within four months, they've paid back for their CNC. It comes down to how serious are you about making this work and do you have a plan? So with proper planning, you should be able to make any purchase uh, pay for itself. It's just a matter of... Um, is it something that's like actually worthwhile? There's enough profit margin in what that new machine brings to the table. Um, so yeah, like if you're gonna like 
buy a, a ten thousand dollar laser cutter but all you're gonna do is like just like engrave your little logo like on the back of some coasters or something maybe you should have just like purchased a branding iron or something uh, like you gotta make sure you buy the right tool for what it is you're trying to do so you've nailed so many points <laughs> that have always gone I through try. my head um in, in this area i mean so i've always said everything i buy i make sure that i can pay for it with what i've done so from the very simplest um I started with that $100 3D printer and I've made a bunch of stuff and I've had it for three years and I just sold it for $100. I built it, sent it off and I sold it to some guy and said, hey, it's a great intro a 3D printer, um, you know, uh, and got it, and it's assembled, it's already leveled. You're, you normally have to do that yourself. So I was able to sell it for the exact price I bought it for um, and I've used it for three years to do what I needed to and now I've set it to two much better 3D printers at this point. Um, and for me, it's always been you know winston you said one thing that you know really resonated with me i don't buy anything else anymore other than woodworking i've had the same video games i've had for four years now and i'll play video games but i haven't bought a new one um and everything i buy at this point is some type of new tool um and, and so that that's kind of you know it it, it fills me up you know it, it's, it's part of my happiness but it also helps with the business um so it's always for me, the machines are what takes me a lot of times to the next level of what I'm making. So I'll always make something, you know, I'll always go back to that first cutting board I made uh, that was an American flag cutting board. Um, and I had, I bought a hundred dollar blue light laser that sucked. I mean, I had to probably run it like three or four times until I got all the stars right. And that it didn't like mess something up and I had to resand and it took me so long. And then I had to go use Winston's um, planer to, to get everything flat. So, you know, all, if I didn't have Winston as a buddy, uh, I would have had to hand plane it. And then, um, you know, just the amount of time into all of that. And instantly when I bought the planer and now I have the Glowforge, I can knock those out and they're pristine. They're like the best quality I've had ever up to this point. So, and then, you know, Winston, another thing you said, you know, um, the, it's not, okay, I've made this many sales. Now I've paid for this Glowforge. It's how much more in sales that I make because I've had the Glowforge. And I don't think it's only the price difference. Um, I think it's also the, uh, an increase in quantity based off of the quality that you're not producing as well. Right. So, um, if I bought the Glowforge and now I see that I'm actually getting a spike because the quality is, you know, um, that obvious of a thing. And that actually attributes to because I have the Glowforge now, you know, um, uh, as well as other sales revenues that, like digital files and stuff I could have done without the Glowforge. But, um, you know, I can tell people made this with the Glowforge, you know, and actually be truthful and, and say, and this is the file used for it and, and try and sell. It. And then you make a lot of that kind of side money that way. But but for me, it's always been one, it's, it's really fun to use. And two, it's 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 stepping up to whatever that next level is um because everybody knows at this point you're yeah, uh, hand artisans uh, it takes a lot of years and experience you know 20 to 30 years to get to the details you need for a lot of things and now the machines let you get there a lot faster and i don't want to stop building up my experience from like a hand woodworker's uh point of view but to duplicate my efforts these things are great these things are great and and let me get to a, a much better experience level so I, I agree with everything you both have been really saying. I mean, obviously I got this as a reference, uh, but I did talk to both of you about it because there's so many lasers out there and I didn't know which one I wanted to go for. And, and honestly, to me it was, you know, this is this much money. And then there's ones that are more capable at this much more cost. And how much of a step do I want to take from this crappy blue light laser I have to the next laser level? And I don't think, I don't think the, I'm actually pretty positive. This Glowforge isn't going to be my last step. You know, I want to, I want to get into metal laser cutting at some point. I want to get to metal work. I want to get into whatever that next step is to keep me getting to the next level. And, you know, for me, it's always, if I see something, I want to know how, how it was made and if I can make it myself and if I can make it better, all that great stuff. So I'm still kind of uh, upset with myself that I haven't gotten into the metal working yet where I can't say oh i know exactly how that piece of metal was worked and i can i can definitely do it and i can do it a little I, i'm not there yet so i think that's the next level for me of 
of whatever the next machine is going to be or or first myself getting with you know hands you know i'll do it by hand and then i'll figure out how to step it up with whatever that expensive machine is and and we'll get there you know slowly but surely but but really you know everything you guys said uh, right along the same lines as you guys yeah i know something that i would add is with the glowforge the car that i drive is less expensive than the glowforge um it's a 2000 <laughs> coffee i literally almost spat it out <laughs> i could have probably gotten a new car with the price of the glowforge that was better than what i have but it runs it does what i need it to do it's pretty efficient so it was kind of like do i need a new car or do i want this toy that will really um bring me into the maker world where it was something that I had always kind of wanted to be able to think of myself as somebody who could look at a piece of furniture and produce that or, in my mind, a better piece for my my house. Um, or just, I think, like, George, you were starting to talk to it. It was, um, you know, you want to make things better or make it like your own spin. And I never, I guess, had the confidence to do it because I thought, like, I didn't have um, the tools or any of that kind of stuff. And so... In my mind, it was kind of like, um, not a vow, I think, I forget what the word is, but like um, something like um, where I just wanted to be like, hey, if I put this much money out, now it's real. Like now you have to actually put in the work, put in the effort and um, do what you can to see like, you know, can you make all these things you've wanted to make for such a long time? Um, So it made it more of like, it was this investment, but also like to look at myself and be able to say, hey, I'm really going for it now. Um, so, oh, I don't know if I lost you guys. No, you're good. Nope. Uh-oh. Oh, he might Can not you guys us. hear me? Yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll just nod. We'll, we'll flash a <laughs> thumbs up. But I don't think oh, he can I hear think us. We, I, think, I think he's Can you guys hear now. me? Well, well I, I think what he's saying, Winston, or maybe we'll just try to bring him back in. Hey, George, Winston. Is he back? Is oh. he back? I can see Winston. I see signs of life. <laughs> uh oh. I'm good. I can't see George though now. I I blame Luke. Uh-oh. Let's I see. I don't hear him anymore. Can you guys hear me? I just saw yeah, George. I can hear you. Can you hear you hear him? I, yeah, I can hear him. I mean I'll come I'll, I'll just go through him. Alright, for future editing purposes, I'm at about uh this whole Nonsense happened about 56 and a half, 57 I'm about minutes 57, in, so, so perfect. go back to Yeah, edit. I'll go through okay. and cut it. Thanks. <laughs> Make my life easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't what know. Happened? I was I was able uh, to hear you guys the whole time, but the video cut out. So, huh. yeah. I don't... I think it was my Wi-Fi, like something happened. Um, so close to the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can finish my train of thought if you guys want, but... I did stop Dude. right around like what you oh, said. you hear him? Yeah. Wait, George, you don't hear I don't him? Hear. Let, let me just recall you guys. Hold on. Oh, hold on, my hold goodness. On. <laughs> yeah, now it's saying waiting for George. Are you seeing that? Too? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Now he's gone. <laughs> he's, he's waiting. Okay, no? I hear you now. Okay, cool. Jesus, what's going on? <laughs> Sorry right. about that, George. Oh, man. Can we do um, another count off? Um, just to make my life easier. Thanks. Sure. As long as we don't touch audacity, it shouldn't matter. But mm-hmm. five, four, three, three, three two, one. Two, two, one. one. All right. So um, what I was saying was essentially I was able to tell myself, like, this is the point. If you make this purchase, you have to really go for it. You have to try your hardest to, one, like, start a business, I guess. So figure out the the market that you're trying to get into and um, how you'll make money from it. So I wanted myself to essentially dive into the deep end and sink or swim. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt like that was a way that I would be able to learn and kind of have like a fire underneath me uh, to really like fight for it. And I'm glad I did it. Um, But kind of how Winston was talking to different levels of people, depending on how you want to introduce yourself into this world, it really depends on what you want to do. Do you want it to be your just uh, hobby, like where you do this for fun every once in a while? There's no real like uh, monetary aspect from it. Do you want it to be like a side hustle where you make a little bit of money here or there? Or do you want it to be a full business? And really depending on what you want um, is kind of like where I would assume you should start with your investment. 
Um, you know, if you just want it to be a fun hobby, you don't need to go get a Glowforge by any means, um, unless you have a lot of extra cash. But if you want it to be a real business, maybe if you don't have a lot of experience, the Glowforge would be a good um, starter because you know you can output things pretty quickly, you have good quality, um, but it's a good machine to start learning a lot of it. And then if you have experience already and you want this to be a real business, maybe you take it to the next level and you find the you know, higher quality, I forget the uh, company's name, but it's more like an eight or $10,000 piece of equipment. Epilogue. Yeah, there you go. And um, yeah, Epilogue would be like your step to really get into that business and, and push past just being a hobbyist or um, side hustle kind of person. So the other thing I'll add um, is that the uh, having a community is also great because I know there's a lot of Glowforge users and there are only like two or three tiers of Glowforges. So it's really easy to, to find someone and be like, hey, like I have this quarter inch plywood that's maple. Like what settings did you use? Um, with a lot of the cheaper lasers, like A, there are so many. B, even like within one company, like full spectrum, there are several different models. So it's hard to go from like apples to apples. Like, hey, I use this setting on this laser cutter, um, but it doesn't really work for you. Uh, I see that a lot with CNCs. People have different machines, slightly different capabilities, and they're all looking for like, hey, what feeds and speeds do you use? And I could be like, well, this is what I use, but you don't have as upgraded a machine, so you probably need to scale back. Like, there's all these caveats. Um, so, like, having a Glowforge or having a community of users that are all on the same page can be a really valuable resource if you're not sure of uh, how to make this investment work or if you have some uncertainty in whether or not it's going to work. Yeah, I think that's an excellent piece of advice because that can be relayed to 3D printers, but it could also be woodworking tools, hand tools or power tools. Um, I like to get my stuff from Harbor Freight uh, because, hey, it's cheaper, right? And I know I, I can look at the specs and say this is going to be just as good as DeWalt or Makita. Um, I'm sure people would argue that, but I, I believe pretty strongly that you can get a cheaper tool that does the same um, thing as the high-end stuff. Um, and then hand tools, you know, same kind of thing that there's those name brand, um, say, Japanese uh, hand saws. I'm like those are nice but you might be able to start off with a cheap model to learn the nuances that these really high-end um, tools will get you like you know what why are those DeWalt's Makita's why are they so much more expensive do they have a feature that you haven't used before or you don't know what the benefit is of it um, and if that's the case there's no reason for you to get that you might as well get the cheaper model to learn why you need something you know like a laser or um, a light for where you're cutting right to see the curve these are all things that you might not know as an amateur or a beginner and over time that's where you um, learn the benefit of those features but there's no reason to jump into it from the beginning if you don't really um, get like the full um, output of that investment and, you're not and, getting everything from it and i think so everything you're saying makes a lot of sense, Luke, because so, and I think the main difference really is, is time, right? When, when time starts to become a factor, that's when I started. So I started with Harbor Freight, uh, table saw, chop saw, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you're right, it can perform just as well as the DeWalt models and much higher end, but um, you have to be the one that goes through and do all the checks. So for the table saw, um, the guide rail is often not aligned with the, the actual saw. You have to go make sure that they're parallel, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. That takes a lot of time because it also moves over time way more than like the DeWalt one would. Um, so I started with all of those and it sucked in the beginning. I mean, the amount of times I would do a woodcut and realize, oh, this didn't cut freaking straight because the, the, it wasn't my fault. It was the guide rail. And I just didn't notice it. So maybe it is my fault at the end. Mm -hmm. But um, I started with those. It let me get my foot in the door because it's a great price point. And then I sold them again for pretty much the price I bought them for because other people understand that they're buying that lower end model that they're going to have to do with hand tools. And it's all just kind of the same thing at that point. And then I was able to take the money I made from getting started with the lower end stuff and the money I made from selling the machine to get the next level. You know what I mean? I've never really, 
like I, like I say, I try not to go too out of pocket with most of the stuff I do. I just try to make the business kind of self-suffice. And so I keep getting better and better and, you know, and, and it's been working out well. I think it's, it takes time. So if you're trying to be uh, a success over one year and be the best of the best, I mean, I, I don't think that's um, a, a strategy that really works out, but then maybe you want to jump into putting thousands of dollars into your business. But um, if you're looking to just get started, um, as everybody kind of says out there, just just do it. You know, Winston always used to use the phrase with me, you can go do it right now, all in this afternoon, just go and do it. So, you know, if you want to go cut a piece of wood, go get a handsaw even and go cut that piece of wood and put together what you want. And maybe it won't be as straight, maybe it won't be as nice, but you did it and you got your foot in the door and you're going to keep getting, you know, further down the line, you know? Yeah, to go off that point, I have a friend, um, his name's Christian. He's really more of a sound engineer and um, he manages a, like construction um, a, as his real job. Then he's a sound engineer, producer, um, and he's starting to make uh, sound panels for people to put in their studios. He made, I forget how many it was. I think it was two of them in about like four hours because he was using a handsaw. And, you know, he's trying to be careful with it and everything. I think he was doing mitered cuts. And I saw him working on that. I was like, hey, Christian, here is, uh, I think it was the $90 chop saw. Um, it would get him, you know, you know, almost perfect, 45 degree cuts. Like it would do everything for him. I sent him that. I sent him my 20% off at Harbor Freight. He got it, you know, like three or four days later. And he said he made five of them in under an hour or something. Like it was a ridiculous change um, from what he was doing with hand tools to now he has a power tool. He's like, this is awesome. Like I just made up that plus some, you know, in one afternoon and now I can make this so much better. It's like, thank you so much. But it is that idea of what you can do in an afternoon. Um, you know, one, he had the will to just get the handsaw and do the work, which was awesome. But then kind of like putting that out there and letting somebody just give him a little tip and like, hey, do this and you'll probably be able to do it faster and better. And so that's those like um, stepping stones that you're talking about, George. Exactly. You don't have to get though the highest end from the start. You can get what you need for what you're doing now, and then over time, that's where you start building up the like better tools, the ones that have all the features that, as you get more skilled, you know how to use them and why you're using them, um, instead of just going all in thousands of dollars later with all these awesome tools but no real skill and understanding behind it. Yeah, there's unless you've seen the low end, I don't think you can really appreciate the high end. Um, and uh, at the same time, like a good tool not only makes things faster, but it'll give you better results. And it just it makes the whole process just more enjoyable. Uh, so um, do your research, buy the thing you need. Don't just keep putting it off, um, but also figure out, do a lot of critical thinking about how like, do you need to go for the luxury brand of this or, or just good enough to to be able to see the light, to be able to improve your shop life? And uh, yeah, go from there. But don't overthink it. Make that purchase. It's going to help you out in the long run. Amen to that. <laughs> well, so I think we just crossed the, the one hour mark. Uh, do you think we want to wrap it up for today and, and save a little in the tank for next time? Sounds good to me. Yeah, sounds good to me as well. Yeah. Awesome. All good chatting well, with you guys. guys. Catch you later. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation yeah. and uh, see you again in a couple Catch weeks. Until next time.